The House voted to block changes to limits on state and local tax deductions known as SALT. It would have increased the SALT cap for families from $10,000 to $20,000. Congressman Nick Lalota says the bill would have helped to relieve financial burdens on Long Island families. Restoring the SALT deduction is not just a matter of tax policy for Long Island families. It is a crucial step towards ensuring economic fairness, supporting the middle class, and sustaining vibrant communities. Lalota is one of the nine Republicans who signed onto the bill. You're listening to After All Things, WSHU's daily news and culture update from the Long Island Sound region. An emergency bill in Connecticut will fund heating assistance programs this winter. More folks are enrolling in the 9-11 Victim Compensation Fund, and environmental advocates push for more green spaces in Connecticut's urban areas. Those stories and more are coming up. I'm Sabrina Garone. Connecticut General Assembly has passed an emergency bill to spend $17 million on the state's federally funded winter heating assistance programs. WSHU's Ebong Udama reports. Connecticut had $85 million in federal low-income energy assistance funds this winter. That's much less than the $110 million it received from the federal government last year. Senator Matt Lesser is co-chair of the Human Services Committee. He says the additional money will help meet a surge in demand for heating assistance this winter. There are families out there who are trying to get through the entire winter on only $180 of heating assistance. It is 21 degrees outside in Hartford today. $180 just does not go very far. $10 million of the money will go to the Connecticut Energy Assistance Program, the state's primary winter heating program. There are more than 70,000 Connecticut households approved for heating assistance this winter. Ebong Udama, WSH News. The compensation fund for victims of the September 11th terror attacks heavily expanded its outreach in 2023. WSHU's Bill Rodriguez reports that led to more claim determinations than any previous year. The compensation fund determined more than 7,200 claims in 2023, according to the Department of Justice. Victims of 9-11-related illnesses got more than $1.8 billion in total. Allison Turkell is with the Victims' Compensation Fund. She says that's because they increased outreach to people who didn't know they were eligible. It really appeared to many people that was all just about first responders, about firefighters, or about police officers, EMS. And uh, so they, one, folks may not think it's for them. Many people think, oh, no, I don't need it. I'm okay. Um, I, uh, I have my own health care. That's really not for me. That's for people who are digging in the pile. Turkel says despite their efforts, many people still don't know about the VCF. She hopes to try and reach as many people as possible. The VCF says those who may suffer from 9-11-related illnesses should call their helpline to find out if they're eligible for compensation. Bill Rodriguez... WSHU News. The Mohegan tribe is asking its members and the public for input on how to spend federal money meant to reduce its greenhouse gas emissions. WSHU's Janice Roman has more. 
The tribe says it's assessing its current greenhouse gas emissions. Last year, it received a grant from the Environmental Protection Agency. It was one of 10 federally recognized tribes in New England that got $1.3 million to develop strategies to address climate change. The tribe owns the Mohegan Sun Casino and several properties that currently use energy-saving technology and sustainable vendor practices. The tribe's climate action plan has measures to reduce greenhouse gas pollution. It says it's part of a larger plan to protect the environment and welfare of future generations. Tribal members, key stakeholders, and the public are welcome to attend the in-person-only meeting. It will take place March 1st at the Mohegan Tribe Community and Government Center. Janice Roman, WSHU News. A petition to the private company Cortiva shows support to keep Remington Woods as a forest. More on that is coming up first, a message from our supporter. Local support comes from Hartford HealthCare, the only health system in the Northeast, with all its hospitals receiving A grades for safety from the LeapFrog Group the nation's leading independent safety watchdog group, hartfordhealthcare.org. Darien, Connecticut is opening Great Island to the public for the month of March. But as Jenny Ahrens explains, there are limitations on what visitors are allowed to do when they visit. The town is calling it a soft opening. No vehicles, bicycles, or dogs will be allowed, and pedestrians must stay on the paved roads as they walk around and take in the views on this 60-acre island. Darien's first selectman, John Zagrowski, says there are still a few residents living on it, and the town wants to take things slowly as it determines the best future for the site. As we gain experience and maturity with having the access granted like this, our thinking will evolve and we'll relax and let the rules kind of shape themselves over time. As for public access after March, that depends on when construction of a new roadway begins and if it would be safe for pedestrians. Zagrowski says he'd like to do everything the town can to preserve Great Island's natural experience and environment. For the New England News Collaborative, I'm Jenny Ahrens. New York Attorney General Tish James has reached a $750,000 settlement with College Board. The not-for-profit college assistance tool had been unlawfully licensing the personal data of students to over 1,000 colleges, scholarship programs, and more between 2018 and 2022. In addition to paying the fine, College Board will no longer be able to monetize on student data. Tweed New Haven Airport has gotten a $2.5 million grant from the Federal Aviation Administration for a new terminal building. The airport is planning an expansion that would also include an extended runway. The FAA approved that plan last year despite protests from local community groups and the mayor of neighboring East Haven. Opponents have cited environmental impacts and noise pollution. Funding for the new terminal comes from the 2021 infrastructure bill. is 
a parcel of land that sits on the Bridgeport-Stratford line, and it's been littered with old ammunition and parts from the neighboring arms factory for over a century. And environmental advocates are trying to now save it. WSHU's Ada Uzenlar is here with me right now to tell me about Remington Woods. Hi, Ada. Hi, Sabrina. Thanks for having me. So tell me a little bit more about this land and what exactly we're looking at here. So what we are looking at is a forest that covers about 450 acres of land between Bridgeport and Stratford and just lying in that area. And what's really interesting about this space is that it provides the city with some much needed canopy cover. Now, canopy cover is the term for when you're looking at something from an aerial view and it's what trees cover for the ground. And in general, in the entire state of Connecticut, there's more than 60% of canopy cover, meaning, you know, we've got lots of trees, we've got lots of green space. But Bridgeport is around 20% in general, and some neighborhoods have as low as 9% of canopy cover, meaning that there just really aren't as many trees or as many green spaces around. And obviously, a community will really, really benefit from having outdoor spaces to hang out, to enjoy themselves, to get a little bit of relaxation time or just some time in nature. But at the same time, it's, it's really important for air quality. Mm-hmm. We know that a lot of our clean air comes from trees in the first place, which is why advocates for this forest are calling it Fairfield County's last lung. Mm. Because Fairfield County has some of the dirtiest air in the nation and this 450-acre parcel of land does a lot to help that out. Right. So considering how important that is to the community and the environment, you know, what's what's been done to protect it in the past? Well, you know, it's really interesting. This forest has a pretty wild history. You know, like we said, it's next to what were the remnants of the Remington Arms Factory. And mm-hmm. so what they actually used to do was test out their artillery in that forest. Wow. Meaning that there's <laughs> there was, you know, shrapnel of lead-based metals Mm -hmm. all around the area kind of dug into the dirt and it was actually largely inaccessible completely inaccessible to the public since the 90s um and that's where the company that owns this parcel of land comes in and they're called cortiva and so they were mandated by the government to clean up the land that they owned because you know it was covered in lead it was highly contaminated and folks actually couldn't get there and so they have been working on it, Cortiva, the company. They've been working on cleaning up the, the the land, and that goes through the forest itself into the lake that's a part of the forest. They completely trained the lake to clean it up as well. Um, and since then, you know, in the past decade or so, there have been tons of environmental organizations showing their support for that forest because, you know, once it's getting cleaned up and once it has been cleaned up, they want that place to be a green space for the community to use in the future. And so those are organizations like the Sierra Club who recently put out a petition showing that they really, really want that space to be for the people. Mm-hmm. And where are we on that right now? What's the most recent update you can share um, on the future of the forest? So Cortiva has actually, the company that that owns the land, They've developed a plan in the past, you know, a few years ago to make it into a business park, but more of an industrial area. Um, And folks have been pushing back against that for a while. So they actually heard their community out. um, And in the last year, they reversed the plan and stated publicly their intention to conserve the space. Um, Most interestingly, the Sierra Club put out a petition on Valentine's Day showing their support for Cortiva. So usually you hear about petitions and you're thinking something is going wrong and right. I'm going to <laughs> I'm going to sign this petition to show, you know, I I don't believe in what's happening and I want mm-hmm. to change. However, there are so many people who are supporting this organization in the first place for saying, you know, 
We used to think that we wanted to do this with this green space that we have that we've been working on so hard to clean up. But now we're realizing how important this forest can be to the community surrounding it. And so we're going to change our minds. And this petition, almost 2,500 people, was delivered to Cortiva on Valentine's Day, almost as a love letter of sorts saying, (laughs) hey, we really appreciate what you're doing for us. But at the same time, it's kind of like there are a lot of people with their eyes on you. Mm-hmm. So make sure to continue to make the right choices, right? So the land isn't completely cleaned up yet. Um, it's planned for 2025 for everything to be kind of ready to go. And in the meantime, there are lots of people that are counting on Cortiva to continue to make the right choices. Well, Ada, thank you so much for all your great reporting on this and for taking the time to chat. Thanks. latest news from Long Island and Connecticut, you can listen on the radio or stream anytime with the WSHU app or on our website, WSHU.org. After All Things is supported by Hartford HealthCare, and this podcast is also made possible with support from our listeners. So if you like what you hear, consider making a donation to WSHU or even becoming a member. All the info on how to do that is there for you on our website. I'm Sabrina Garon. Enjoy the rest of your evening. I'll talk to you tomorrow. Thank mm-hmm. you.